This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our first episode of the new year, the new decade, and it is January 2nd, 2020. I know that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to, but it's an exciting time and we are here to hopefully guide you through the next decade and beyond and helping answer your questions, helping you build better habits and make better decisions in the new year. And I'm sure a lot of you maybe have that as part of your New Year's resolution. And we're going to do our best, just like we do every single weekday, is to walk you through into the path of financial freedom. And everyone's path is a little bit different. So your question is going to differ from the next. Your needs are going to differ from the next. And your current situation is going to differ from the next as well. So we all have a different starting place and probably a different endpoint, but the path from one to the other looks relatively similar. Okay, so that's why we try to instill those general habits that can keep you on the path. And we're going to forge ahead today into the new year. And you're probably asking yourself if your portfolio is prepared for the coming challenges in the new decade, right? This decade is going to look very different than the last decade. Know that. And if you're a serious investor, you've come to the right place. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will call me with your investing questions. And when and if you make time for that call, you take charge and shape this show. So remember, our goal here is to get you on the path to your own version of financial freedom. And we do that each and every weekday with a philosophy of shared independent thinking and shared success. And you probably heard Steve has scheduled two consultation trips in January, one in Dallas on January 24th. That is a Friday. And then Tuesday and Wednesday after that, January 28th to 29th in New York City. You can sign up for those meetings right there at investtalk.com. Just click on the start. Click on the portfolio review page. Now, my main talking point today concerns the opinion, five things that could go wrong to nullify the U.S. economic expansion this year. We're going to touch on five potential upsets that could bring the economy below kind of that that 1% growth level. We think we dipped there maybe maybe slightly uh, last year. But overall, the economy still grew right around that 2% level. And there are some potential shocks but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually going to happen either. But you need to know what they might be so you can keep an eye out for them. Also, do we have a retirement crisis? We're going to talk about why we do, but we don't at the same time. And there's some big reasons on both sides of the argument. Also, manufacturing. Manufacturing was a big negative in 2019. It definitely was shrinking for a lot of mature economies, developed economies, 
and even some developing economies, emerging markets, for example. But we've seen some comeback in certain regions, and we're going to talk about what that looks like. Also, <clears throat> big news from Amazon in regards to FedEx and shipments, and why this is an interesting story in relation to the power that tech is wielding in our global economy, and I think it is a good learning lesson to understand what is happening in different industries and how the big dogs, the fangs, the big behemoths of the tech world are going to continue to wield their sword, wield their power, and how it might affect other companies in that industry as well as others. So that's what's on my mind today. That's what I want to. That's what I want to discuss. But ultimately, I want to know what is on your mind. Let's take a quick look at the market today. SP was up about one percent. Small caps are only up about two, about twenty basis points, and it was down early in the day, pretty dramatically, which is really weird. It was a, it was a funky day in the markets. With uh, I haven't seen a dichotomy in the major indexes versus the small caps in a while. But we had a little bit of catch up late in the day uh, where small caps rallied far more than the S&P in the back half of the day, which kind of made it look not quite as big of a difference. But around noontime, small caps were down about 1% or so. And the Qs were up 1%, which was kind of odd. But nonetheless, that was the start of the year. Modest up day. Not a shock, as we said before, Fed printing $100 billion a month definitely helps equity prices, at least for now. Let's kick off the caller questions that came in earlier at 888 chart Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Adam outside of uh, Chicago, Illinois. Love the show, guys. So much help. Uh, I've learned so much from you guys. But I have a question about ticker symbol AMC, AMC Theaters. Don't know what's going on with them. They're like getting close to the oversold mark and I'm not really sure why they're going down. It seems like box office sales are doing pretty well and there's a good a lot of movies are coming out in 2020. I was just uh, curious if this is the time to buy. Uh, appreciate the help but love the show. Look at AMC Entertainment Holdings. AMC is the symbol. Operate 637 movie theaters with 8,100 screens all pretty much in North America. 770, no, that can't be right. The market cap says here 777 billion, but I don't, let me look at my other one because that doesn't sound correct. Million, okay, yeah. 777 million dollar market cap. Like, There's no way that's that. That's correct. Uh, and they have a lot of debt on their balance sheet. Five billion dollar enterprise value, which means about 4.7 billion dollars in debt. They're losing money and revenue growth is okay, but not fantastic. And I think that's the big issue here is structural profitability is going down for this business as a whole. And there's just a lot of secular headwinds to the business, right? How much are 85 inch flat screens now? Thousand bucks, you can pick them up for a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred bucks now, right? The the in-home experience is a lot nicer than it used to be. You can stream so much more content in 4K. Uh, you now have you know, Disney Plus and 
Netflix and Amazon and you have Apple TV, Apple TV Plus, is that what they're calling it? Uh, there's so many subscription services that bring great content. And, and, you know, in today's, I think in today's world, the great content is actually more in TV shows, right? Long form TV shows, Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad. I mean, I could list off a dozen that have been big hits over the past five, ten years or so. And I think more and more people are just watching shows and movies at home because the experience is so much better than it used to be, right? And the movie theater experience has changed a little bit, right? A lot of them have uh, reclining chairs and you can order from your seat and things like that. That's, That's happened more and more. But I don't think it's going to completely erase the rise of the at-home experience and how cheap it is nowadays to have a great at-home experience. You know, 20 years ago, that was not the case. To get a great viewing experience, you needed to go to movie theater. And that's the problem here. So while, you know, historical price to sales ratio, things like that, it looks relatively cheap. I'm going to say the structural headwinds for the business, as well as the massive amount of debt, tells me that this is a name I would much rather short than buy long. I think it's actually not a bad short idea because I think this is eventually a bankrupt company. And so I would absolutely 1000% stay away from AMC on the long side. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And no one has ever been able to reliably predict market movements. But if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you have to be prepared for the eventual market volatility. It's going to come. It's a matter of when. And you got to make sure your portfolio is strategically balanced for your needs and your goals. And InvestLock listeners are invited to contact myself or Steve to set up an appointment for a portfolio review assessment in person at sit-down sessions in Dallas coming up this month in New York or our home office in Irvine, California. These are no obligation, no cost sit-down portfolio reviews. You can register now at investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. 2019 is in the record books, and we are now into a new year and a new decade. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. Call Justin, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later. Now, we're entering or we're in a new year, a new decade, and it's a good time to check in on the economy, check in on the market, maybe do a quick year in review for 2019 and see what the water looks like for the coming 12 months. And we know going back over the past year, we've seen 
a few big developments. Number one, obviously, is the Federal Reserve's flip, right, from raising interest rates fairly aggressively to cutting interest rates moderately and aggressively printing money to monetize our massive deficit. So the Fed recognized that they overstepped. They put too many bullets in the chamber to fight the next recession. And they released a few this year. And what it does is that has returned the yield spread to something more normal, positive sloping as opposed to inverting. And they did so rather quickly. And therefore... The bond market, at least for now, is signaling an economy that should grow this year. But there are risks. And the first is a pullback of the consumer. And housing really led the charge late last year as interest rate drops fed through to the housing market. So that was a positive. But also the job market was relatively strong. We had rising wages. And as we know, the consumer is about 68 to 70% of the U.S. GDP, and if that remains strong, that should that should keep the economy growing somewhat. Even if business ex- investment, which has been weak and declined in the second and third quarter of last year, you know, remains weak, which it certainly could. Now I expect a little bit of boost. Now we have some sort of trade agreement in place, but I don't think it's going to be dramatic. So one is the retrenchment of the consumer but I don't really see that happening, at least this year. Number two is a stock market reversal. You know, if we go by the Shiller CAPE ratio, the P P ratio, the CAPE ratio on the market is 31, which is the highest level that we've seen in a long time. That's what it was around when we saw the 1929 crash. So, uh, you know, certainly the market's expensive and you could see a broader fall, especially if you see, I think, interest rates creep up. You can see a debt crisis with the, uh, actually, let me get to this after the break. There's three more, and I want to get to that after this break. This is Invest Talk, streaming live Monday through Friday at the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour. As always, it's available free for download as a condensed podcast as well on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, the radio program and podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom. You may be a regular listener. You may even have called a few times. But if you've never called, what are you waiting for? The phone lines are open, and Steve and Justin would love to hear your questions right now. Call 888-99-CHART. 888 chart 888 Now, before we get to callers, I want to finish up my main talking point today. And we touched before the break on what are the risks to the economy. One is obviously the consumer pullback. I don't really see that happening unless you see a big stock market reversal. And he did say that is a big, a big risk because of the valuations that we're at in the market. But you would have to probably see a reversal in interest rates, right? That would squeeze the valuations of a lot of stocks that are richly valued today. Number three is a debt crisis. Uh, And this debt crisis 
before was the savings and loan crisis in the 80s, right? And then we had the we had the tech bubble, which was different than that, right? Different than the savings and loan crisis. Then we had the mortgage crisis in the mid 2000s. And the next crisis is likely going to be around the U.S. corporate debt cycle. But if the economy continues to grow, earnings are at least stable, you're probably not going to get a big fallout there, right? Even though there's a lot of highly leveraged firms and they're taking out even more risk by taking out more debt, there's a lot of shady, risky activity going on in the corporate debt market because of the people that are chasing yields. So uh, that's certainly, I think, the biggest risk. But once again, there needs to be some sort of catalyst that creates a risk-off sentiment in that market that would close lending off for a lot of lower-rated companies, create bankruptcies, layoffs, etc. And I think that's the biggest risk. And then there's the trade wars. I don't think that Trump is going to do anything to upset the apple cart between now and the election. So I don't see any major shots across the bow on the trade front from President Trump until the election is over. But then again, if you read the art of the deal, there is no, there's never a final deal. There's always, you always come back to the drawing board and that's always a potential risk as well. And then unforeseen political events, you know, with Trump is unpredictable and there could be backlash against him from non-allies, you know, think of Russia or uh, another country that just simply doesn't like their actions, Iran, for example. Uh, So there's a lot of geopolitical issues that could flare up but you know we've said that for you said that for at any time right there's always geopolitical issues to think about so those are the main risks and i think the corporate debt one's the biggest if we hit a skid in growth let's go to vincent in the bay area talking about stock prices hi um name's vincent uh, first time ever calling into this show, just kind of came across it, but I was wondering if you can answer my question. Sure. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I bought a couple stocks um, in the past, one in 2015, and it was called Enphase Energy, uh, a solar mm-hmm. stock. Um, and my okay. problem is I'll buy it at a great price, find the stock, and then it'll start shooting up and I sell too early. And then now I, I bought the stock at 78 cents. Now it's at $29 and I'm not in it. So I'm not, how do you avoid stuff like that? Um, also AMD, I could have bought at $9. That's at $30 now as well. So I just kind of missed the boat on some things like that. I, I'm young. I'm 24. Just kind of learning, learning the, the system. Yeah. I think the best way to avoid that is to, have a trailing stop, right? And give it some uh-huh. room, um, you know, because when, when stocks start to go up, they tend to stay that way until uh, there's some sort of catalyst that slows down the, the growth of, of that particular company. And, you know, all stocks have some vo- level of volatility that's standard and typical. Um, but when a stock in a te- that's in a technical uptrend, um, you know, stays above certain moving averages. Sometimes it's the 100-day moving average. Sometimes it's the 50-day moving average. You really have to understand and and uh, the chart and really study the chart. Uh, then you, you, as long as it stays above that, the trend can, tends to continue to, to persist. And so every stock's a little different when it comes to having a trailing stop. But I would use some sort of mo- major moving average 
on a close closing basis for your out. Um, and it, that will allow you to uh, let a stock run. Uh, but I would also say you don't have to always sell the whole position as well, right? Stock goes right. up a good amount. Yeah. Maybe it's a much larger percentage of your portfolio. You want to bring it back down to something more reasonable, which typically is somewhere around 3 to 5% of a portfolio. And that's a good way to do it as well, where you're not selling out all of it, but maybe partial part of it as well. So those are a couple strategies that can keep you in a stock longer and maybe get all of that upside. And, you know, don't beat yourself up over it because, you know, you, you sounds like you just started investing in the last few years, right? Yeah. Maybe yeah. Six years so ago that also means that you haven't experienced the bear market. You haven't experienced a lot of volatility. You haven't experienced, you know, the only volatility you've really experienced is the fourth quarter of 2018, right? So understand that this is an atypical market. This is not normally how the stock market works. There's typically a lot more volatility and you're in an environment where the Federal Reserve is doing everything they can to limit volatility, right? They, they feel like they have the tools for that. But in reality, long-term, the normal volatility will return to the market. And those times where you're kicking yourself for the market going up or the stock going up so far, You'll be much you'll, in a down market. You'll be very happy you sold because it'll be much lower. Thanks for the call, Vincent. On the next invest stock, actually, I'm going to a break. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Numbers are elusive. It's about five percent of my overall portfolio. They're always changing. I have uh, about like three thousand dollars, I would say. On invest stock, the focus is on numbers that affect our listeners. We took a. Uh, 20% out to buy a property, investment property. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers. Am I going to get cheaper mortgage rates if I wait till the end of the year? So the questions keep coming. Let's talk to Cindy in San Jose. How are you doing, Cindy? Hi, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. From every part of America. I wanted to ask you guys about adding two of my positions in these two names right now. Should I sell it and take the profit? Steve Peasley and Justin Klein analyze the complex patterns in those numbers and do their very best to decipher the potential meanings. Really learned a lot from you guys. Independent thinking, shared success. InvestTalk.com this is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley has expanded the travel consultation schedule for his no-cost portfolio reviews. That's right. On January 24th, Steve will be in Dallas, Texas. Then on January 28th and 29th, Steve will return to New York City. He can help you optimize your investment assets. So learn more and register soon through the Portfolio Review page at investtalk.com. Let's go to Will in San Diego looking at ILPT, which is Industrial Logistic Properties Trust. It's a REIT. Correct, Will? That's correct, Justin. Thank you very much for taking my call. And uh, this REIT, I think they rent uh, space to Amazon, so I thought, well, maybe this is mm -hmm. a bit of a safety play. So I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Uh, yes, they. This is a this is a name that recently went IPO, re relatively recently, just a few years ago. Two thousand was it late two thousand seventeen, early two thousand eighteen, and been kind of chopping sideways since. 
And this is an area of the market that is relatively rich in general, right? Where uh, money is flowing here away from your retail REITs and into the new economy of online retail. And the Amazons of the world have increasingly utilized more and more industrial and uh, industrial space just in general. And therefore, prices have gone up. Uh, now, this is ILPT. This is one of a few that are out there in the market. You also have a Duke Realty, which is a big one. You also have Prologis. That's another big one and that are that are much bigger than ILPT. So you're probably going to get more kind of long-term upside, right? Because there's there's more potential growth. This is only a billion and a half market cap, whereas Prologis is $55 billion market cap there. So you're looking at a smaller name, but also a name that's going to be more volatile, more risky, and they do pay a nice 5% dividend, um, but technically they're not nearly, they're not as strong as those other two that I mentioned. Um, so while I like it, I, I would say I like the other ones better just because of more track record, more consistency, uh, higher profitability metrics, etc. Et but I still like it. I just don't love it as much. Does that make sense, Will? I should, maybe I should watch it for a while and see where it goes. Well, the, the problem with these type of names, REITs, is the more you watch it, the more you're giving up in that dividend, right? It yields about 6%. And you're, if you're not owning it, then you're not getting that dividend. So it depends right. on what's your time horizon. Are you looking for a short-term trade or something that's a, more of a long-term hold oh, no. in a diversified more portfolio? Long-term. Long-term hold. Long-term. Yeah. Like I said, it kind of goes back to what I said before. You have Duke Realty, you have Prologis. Those are more consistency. They've proven themselves for a longer period of time. And they're going to be a lot less volatile overall because of their heft and their size. Uh, you're going to give up a little yield on that. I think they yield a little bit less. But your upside potential in this is much higher. So uh, if you're looking for more upside, right, you're, looking, you're not looking at the, the dividend necessarily and the consistency of it. You're more looking for something that's going to grow from a billion dollar, billion and a half dollar company to maybe a 10, 15, 20 billion dollar company. This is the name for you. Whereas Prologis is 55 billion dollar company and Duke is 12 billion. So you're looking at the smallest player, I think, in the public markets in this space. And therefore, you're going to get more volatility and but more upside potential over the long term. Thanks for the call, Will. Let's go to Chris in Walnut, Walnut Creek looking at Beyond Meats. Yes. Hi, Justin. How are you doing? You own Beyond Meats? You look, looking to buy it? Give it away? Oh, what is it? Um, I'm looking to uh, buy it. I don't own it yet. I don't own any shares. I just, wanna, I just want to know your opinion about it. It's, it's been over six months. All the insiders probably sold already. What do you think? Uh, I disagree. Uh, I think there's probably more upside, insiders uh, ready to sell. And the what, what's odd is it's kind of chopped here around the 75 to 80 mark for a couple months now, uh, consolidating bearishly. And it's still extremely overvalued. And I think it's a space that will be more and more competitive. 
Uh, you're looking at other other names, Hormel, et cetera, that are looking to get in the space. And I think in the long run, they're just another name in the alternative meat world. And that will squeeze margins. And you know, right now, they're maybe the newest or the most well-known. But over time, I think their brand will be diluted with a lot of other options in the market. So I think it's still drastically overvalued. They still have, you know, they made money last quarter for the first time, but I don't love it. I still think it's drastically overvalued. You have a, a run rate of less than $400 million in sales, and you're talking about $4 billion market cap. So 10 times sales for a, a company that doesn't make a lot of money. So, and technically it looks weak. So I would definitely pass. I think it's one of the worst stocks in the market to own. Thanks for the call, Chris. Let's go to Brian in Redwood City looking at Geo. Hey, Justin, how are you? Really, really love the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for uh, listening and thanks for calling in. You're looking at the Geo Group, which is a, a a REIT that owns correctional facilities, basically, correct? That's correct. Okay. And so you're I'm probably looking at a nice 11.6% dividend. I could not, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you there. No worries. Uh, I was saying you, you're probably looking at that 11.6% dividend, correct? Yeah, I actually bought some at 14.40, and then I, I sold mm-hmm. calls against half the position. But I'm mm-hmm. kind of torn as to whether to um, buy the calls back. And I want to know your, your ideas for a long-term hold on this as opposed to a short-term play with you know selling option uh, premium. Well, I, I would actually be very – I'm actually bullish on this space as long as Trump is in office because uh, I, I don't see Trump changing the the dynamics of the laws around uh, drugs of any kind, right? So the current system of treating drug possession, et cetera, as a crime will likely persist for – as long as Trump is in office. Now, you get a Democrat in, you know, you have Steve Buttigieg, which just came out over the weekend, I think, and said all drugs should be legal, right? And I'm sure other candidates within the Democratic Party uh, would probably like to legalize marijuana as well, at least, shall I say. And therefore, I would actually see the criminal justice reform coming down from that side in some way, shape, or form, which would probably hurt these names. But I think a lot of that risk has been priced into the name. And I think the recent rally in these names, CXW as well as GEO, are the fact that the odds of Trump being reelected because of where we are uh, in the stock market, p- past the, at least the first phase of the trade war, etc., and we're only 10, 11 months away from the election, then you know, I think these stocks will get a rally as long as the market kind of holds up and the odds of Trump being reelected remain relatively high. And I think the current odds are somewhere around 70% if you look at the betting odds. And, you know, usually those bookies are are pretty good. So uh, I I would say I I think there's more upside here, especially after the, the, the downtrend that it's been in since late 2017. In your opinion, where would it be overpriced? Geo, I think it would be overpriced. Right now we're at 1658. Let me look at I think around the 20 low 20s, 21 to 23 
that area would make me go, all right, <clears throat> it's at the upper ends of the, um, the technical basis. Uh, it wouldn't be overvalued in, in, by the numbers, but you still have that political risk. And I do think long term, there will be some criminal justice reform, especially around drugs and marijuana. And this will that will probably hurt them to some degree. But I also think a lot of that risk has been priced in here. So uh, around that 21 to 22 mark, that's where I would think about at least taking part of my position off. I wouldn't sell it all, but that's where I would be more uh, more neutral on it. Thanks for the call, Brian. Let's go to Jeff in Iowa looking at B&G Foods. Yeah, I just want to take a look at the B&G Foods. Uh, I see the, the uh, mm-hmm. dividend is over, over 10%. Is that a sustainable dividend? Mm-hmm. And what do you think about the price of it right now? Is it a good entry point? Well, B&G Foods was down on its luck for many years. Uh, a lot of it has to do with you know, B&G Foods, just for everybody else. They are the owner of many packaged food names in the, uh, on your grocery store sell- shelves. Probably not the ones that you recognize too much, but Jolly Green Giant is one of them in the frozen food section. Uh, revenue for the last four quarters have been down slightly, 2%, 4%, 4%, and 4%. Earnings are down 8% this year, or in 2019 versus 2018, but they're supposed to grow this year here in 2023%. Now, they have a decent amount of debt, but not to the level that it's unsustainable, right? About a billion dollar market cap, $2 billion in debt, uh, but they have $71 million in operating cash flow, so, and about $2 billion in debt. So, you know, it, it's certainly challenged somewhat uh, w- when it comes to their balance sheet, but I think long term, their consistency of their business will win out, and I think this will be a good name to own. Now, that could also mean in the interim, in the near term, you see a dividend cut, and I think a lot of that has been priced into the stock. But since the switch from value stocks leading the market versus growth, which I talk about uh, on on Monday of this week on the show, this has done relatively well. Okay. It's up since the beginning of September, not a whole lot, but you got a couple dividends in the meantime, and the stock's up 5 or 7% since then. And it's recently crossed above the 100-day moving average, which has done in a while, so technically it's starting to improve a lot. So it's certainly still a relatively high-risk dividend play, and don't expect that dividend to be sustained long-term unless they do a little more tweaking to the efficiency of the business to... Wring uh, more cash flow out of it, but it's not in a terrible situation by any means. It's just kind of uh, trying to manage through a tough retail cycle, uh, and I think that's why longer term I still think B and G will do well. I think their management is strong, uh, but it is relatively high risk, and you have to understand that. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. Now, 2019 was a good year for us at Invest Talk and KPP Financial, and our podcast downloads are as popular as ever. So Steve and I thank you for that. And be, for, be sure to tell all your friends and family members about Invest Talk. And we started the new year and a new decade, and we have a goal, and that is to help you build a better financial future. And of course, you can call our anytime listener line, believe your investment question or market questions, we'll answer them on a future radio show or podcast. And you can visit investtalk.com, check out our Riskalyze questionnaire. You can help you help yourself understand and manage your investment risk perception. 
And for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. As an investor, you've seen the volatility of the market. To prosper, serious investors need to make sure they are implementing an effective master design, a deliberate plan formulated with the right mix of strategic investing programs. KPP Financial offers such a diverse set of programs, and you can contact Steve or Justin at their offices in Irvine, California to start a conversation. You can also quickly see what you may be missing anytime when you visit investtalk.com. The phone lines are open, Justin is here, and he's ready for your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about 10 minutes left in the show, so if you're going to call, you need to do it right now. Let's check in on the manufacturing side of our global economy as we enter 2020. And if you just look at the U.S. market, U.S. manufacturing market, the IHS market U.S. manufacturing purchasing manager index for December was at 52.4, down slightly from November from 52.6, but still growing above the 50 level, which we had a couple months where it was shrinking and we're back to growth of some kind. So that's certainly a positive there. Now when you go across the pond, well I guess when they say pond, they typically mean the Atlantic, but I'll go over the Pacific for a second and say in China, or at least in the Asian region, the manufacturing managers index also look better. China did fall from 51.8 to 51.5 in December, but once again, still above that 50 mark. And you're starting to see pickup in areas like South Korea, the Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, India. The Asian region in general, manufacturing is starting to pick up to a degree. It's not great. You know, a couple points above the 50 line is not amazing. But that's kind of our economy, right? 2% growth. Where you're seeing weakness is continuing in Europe. Germany, that fell from 43 point, sorry, 44.1 to 43.7. Italy, Spain, the UK also had big declines going into the end of the year. And the new ECB president, Christine Lagarde, thinks that there should be more stimulus measures being considered going into the new year. And so the manufacturing side of the world economy is getting better, but I still think there needs to be more evidence in order to see a sustainable rebound happen. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 
Let's go to John in Santa Cruz looking at EWU, which is the UK ETF, correct? Yes. Hi, Justin. Um, you looking to buy it? I like the dividend. Yeah, I'm thinking of buying it for the dividend mainly, but also because I think probably Trump will do some kind of a trade deal with the British. Mm -hmm. But I wonder what you yeah, think. Yeah, yields about 4%. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the UK. Uh, there's a lot of fear around Brexit and all that. And you know, there certainly be will be some growing pains or some transition pains as they transition out of the EU. But uh, it's still a developed market with... London as a financial hub for uh, capital, as well as a sound political and judicial system. Even though they have their problems, just like we do here, they're still one of the most capitalistic, uh, best-run countries in the world in general. So... Well, I think it's a little overbought in the near term. Uh, I like the idea, 4.1% dividend, that's solid. No, no, you, you're only getting that once every six months, it looks like. Okay, So they just recently paid dividend in uh -huh. December. They did back in June. right? So you're not going to get a quarterly dividend. You're going to get a semi-annual dividend. So understand that as well. But I like the idea. I like uh, exposure to the United Kingdom. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for the call, John. Now, if you move quickly, you can fit in one more caller question that came in earlier at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve, Justin. This is Sanket from Boston. Uh, love your show. I was thinking of adding a read to my portfolio and was debating between these two companies. Uh, the first one is SPG, and the second one is WELL, Simon Properties and uh, Well Tower. Just curious to know your thoughts and what you would choose between SPG and WELL. I look forward to hearing uh, your thoughts. Thanks. All right, he's looking at two REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, that yield roughly about the same. Well, Tower yields about 4.3%, and Simon Property Group yields about 4. Point, or sorry, 5.7%. So you're going to get a little higher yield with Simon Property Group. But this is a great example of how you need to really differentiate between different sectors in the REIT space. Not all REITs are created equal, especially in this environment of disruption and changes in our economy globally. Now, Simon Property Group owns, operates regional malls, outlets, and shopping centers in 37 states and Puerto Rico. And this is a name that hit a all time high in 2016, around the $225 mark. And now we're at $145 per share. So down pretty dramatically since then, but you're getting that dividend over that time. And they do have a decent amount of debt, a $44 billion market cap, about $26 billion in debt. So that's a, a neg that's, that's the biggest negative here. <clears throat> now, long term, their profitability has been pretty good. And that's the best thing you could say about them, right, is that Historically, they've been pretty well run, but historically, they haven't dealt with the headwinds, secular headwinds that you've seen recently. So their leverage has gone up, their margins have been hit some, but they're well run. Uh, now, if you look at the chart, they're in a solid downtrend below all the major moving averages, 
And that looks like it's only going to continue, to be honest with you. And if you hit a financial crisis or you are, sorry, at least just a re recession, this is going to be hit once again. So technically, I don't like it. I don't like the headwinds secularly. And therefore, I would not own it, even though it's well run. Now, Well Tower, that is a different beast. It has its own set of challenges, but it's in a different space. It runs nursing facilities, senior housing facilities in 51 states, D.C., U.K., and Canada. You're looking at a little bit less yield, but a much better balance sheet, and a sector that has secular tailwinds as opposed to headwinds, right? With baby boomers retiring, more and more are going to be moving into senior facilities and needing that service, those services, right? So I much rather take a little bit lower yield, much better technically on Well Tower than Seven Property Group and own that. But I do think Well Tower has a little more downside in the near term. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve will be here tomorrow and I will return on Monday. Remember that you can access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.